Last week, we started into a series called Gospel Roots. It's a study of our vision and values, who we are striving to be in the, as a church, and really building that out of what's central to us. Like, what, what is our foundational perspective? What do we hold to most tightly that then bears fruit in us? And, and the reality is, whether you're here as a visitor or a member of the church, this is not stuff that's special to the way. This is, this is something that is valuable to all Christians. These values that we deal with, we're not, we're not distinct from other Christians. We're just highlighting those things that God demonstrates to be valuable. Now, for those that are members, this, this series will, will follow each week. We'll deal with a, a point from our core values. And then this summer, or I'm sorry, this fall, or leaving summer, this fall, we'll, um, have a, have a, uh, covenant renewal service and we'll gather as members of the church and we'll, and we will um, just renew our commitment to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ who have been given God's mission to, to work in this world. So let me share with you just a little bit about core values. And we started last week, and, and I just want you to have an understanding of why we're doing this. The core values of an organization, of any organization, really are only as effective as they are being developed in the people that make up the organization. So if we say something's valuable, but yet it doesn't inform or or uh, have any effect on what we do or how we make decisions, then is it really a core value, right? I mean, that's the idea. It's really just if, if, for example, we said last week we studied our first core value, the gospel, and if we say that's valuable, but yet we do nothing because of who we are in the gospel and do nothing because uh, of what the gospel says about us, if it doesn't inform our decisions or inform what we do, if it doesn't even, it's not something we even talk about, if it's not something that we bring up often, then can we say the gospel is really valuable? Well, no. So through this, my hope is, is that we will not just educate you on what this list of seven core values is, but that you, the people of this church, will learn to really value, to really treasure the things that God's Word highlights as valuable. But it goes even further than that, because at the end of the day, I don't want you just growing as, a, as an individual Christian. My heart is to see God glorified. You see, and I, I really am confident that as we learn together to value those things that God says is valuable, I am confident, I, I have no doubt, that the work He's given us to do will become a very natural outflow of just our being, just who we are. It won't be something forced. It won't be something we have to make people do. It's something that we'll desire, that we'll want. Because we recognize and have the same values that God has as values. And this week our study, our focus is uh, the value, our core value, truth. And we'll be studying from Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. There's a number of ways that you can follow along. There's verses in the bulletin that you receive. There's if, if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the back of the chairs. It's on page 610 uh, in those Bibles. And you're welcome, if you don't have a Bible, to take one of those home with you uh, for you to read. We value the truth so much that we want you to have it. We'll give it to you for free because we value it so highly. Uh, but there's also, if you're using a phone or a tablet, just stay off the Internet. But go to Uversion, download that app, and then you can follow our live event. The, the notes and the sermon outline is on there so that you can... Take your own notes. It's actually a pretty helpful resource. If, if, if we catch you on the Internet, though, we'll make you feel bad about it. If you're, I'm just kidding. We wouldn't do that. But we won't point you out this week. 
A truth, by definition, it's logically associated with facts. When Merriam-Webster defines it for us, they use words like fidelity, constancy, fact, actuality. And when you talk about just a rough, raw definition, it's easy to easy to be there with it. But there is a lot of nuance in truth. I mean, for a lot of people, in a lot of ways, truth is subjective and it's relative. And a lot of people that makes it uncomfortable to even think about. But that is a reality. It's a truth. There are things that are true to me that aren't true for you. It's true for me that it's okay that I get up in front of people and talk and, and tell jokes that people don't laugh at. It's true that that's okay for me. Man, you get my wife up here. That's not her thing. It's not. She, she'd be totally embarrassed. I can go out into a restaurant, and it's true for me that I can do things and say things loud and, and you know be at the center of attention. It, it doesn't bother me. But that's not true for Amy. You see, there are some things that are subjective to us and our personal experiences and our personal uh, perspectives. It's relative to circumstances that we live in. What's hot to us here is not hot to the people that live in Africa that we that we serve on mission in Senegal. Totally different. Totally different set of relative truths. But you see, as we talk about truth and as we talk about the value that we find in truth, that's not the truth I'm talking about. That's not the truth that I want you to value at the depths of your being. Or the, or the core of who you are. That's not the truth that I want you to value. See, I want you to value the truth, the objective and absolute truth that God has revealed in His Word about who He is. About who we are with Him and who we are without Him. About what He's doing in the world, what He's done and what He continues to do. I want you to value His truth that tells us why we're here to begin with. See, I want you to value these objective and absolute truths so fully, so completely that it informs and determines everything about who you are and what you do. See, without it, we, I don't even think we recognize this fully, but without this truth, this absolute and, and objective truth as revealed by God as a value to us, without it, it's like we're blind people walking around in a cave with no flashlights. But once we begin to value it, once we have it, it's not like we've just been given a flashlight. It's like we've been given sight so the flashlight actually becomes effective. You see, the reality for most of our, our world is that the, the flashlight is there. But they're blind and the light is useless to them. But as children of God, as His people, we have a value of truth. Truth actually is is effective and meaningful. You don't have to take my word for it. You don't have to take my word for it. The Bible clearly illustrates this in a number of places. Like I said, we're going to be studying from Romans chapter 1. And so rather than listening to me give you more opinion, let's just look at the Scripture and see what it says. We're going to begin reading in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly 
perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, because of all of this, therefore God gave them up. Let them go. You gave them over. He turned them over. In the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creator rather than, or the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. See, before we get into it, I just want you to get an idea of what Paul's doing. He is introducing to us maybe the most thorough dealing or explanation of the gospel ever written. He's not, he's not focusing on one piece of the gospel. The gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those who wrote a gospel account of Jesus' life, they focused in on what God did through Jesus. But Paul is explaining the gospel from start to finish. He's showing us not just what God did in creating, but how he revealed himself. And then he's showing us the heart of our problem. He shows us not just why, what God did, but why he needed to do it. And he shows us, he shows us at the very heart of our issues is a denial of truth, is a, is a replacing of truth, a displacement of truth with lies. But as he records this history, as he writes this history down, it's not so much just a historical perspective as much as it is a continuing present reality. He's writing because this is true about them and it continues to be true today. See, it is true. It is true that at one point in history, Adam and Eve knew God. They walked with him in the garden. They experienced him in ways you and I never will. Well, I shouldn't say never will. We will one day, but in this life we won't. They believed a lie. They listened to the lie the serpent told them. They listened. Eve heard the serpent say, that's good fruit. You'll just be like God. You won't die. She ate the fruit. She gave it to her husband, Adam, who was with her also. He heard the lies. Believed him. And they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. See, it's true that their descendants, those who, their children and their grandchildren and their, and their great-grandchildren, and there, there's a point in history where their descendants exchanged the truth of God for a lie. God didn't really say that. He wouldn't think that. He wouldn't do that. And they, too, worshipped created things other than the Creator. But the truth is that this cycle of God's revealing Himself and us denying it continues today. In fact, with all of our scientific advanced technology and understanding, we are working hard to totally deny that God exists. We're working hard to totally displace him from even being. See, it's not an agnostic view that we just can't know God. And it's not just, uh, well, he's there, but 
I don't really need to know him kind of thing. It is a reality that in, in, in our world, we are working hard in our culture to completely displace him, to deny his existence altogether so that we can devote ourselves to the very things that we love most, so that we can do what we want to do, so that we can be our own gods, so that we can worship the creature rather than the creator. See, it's still happening. What Paul's telling us, yeah, it is a historical perspective, but it is also a present reality. And he breaks from that and then begins to pour out the work of God through the rest of this letter. But he also shows us in the midst of this introduction, he also shows us just how vital truth is. If you haven't begun to see it already, I think, I think you can see it. I think it's there. See, at the heart of our problems, at the heart of all of our struggles, at the heart of our sin, at the heart of God's wrath, the reason for His wrath at all is because we displace truth with a lie. See, I I think, I think the general overarching perspective of why I value truth, why your pastors value truth, why we want our church to value truth so highly is that our actions flow from who or what we worship. Our actions, those things we do and the things we don't do, the, the ways we sin and the ways uh, in action and the ways we sin in, in um, non-action, those things we do are driven by that thing that we worship, the thing that we are devoted to, the thing that means the most to us, the thing that we adore most greatly. That drives our actions. And what we worship is not driven by anything other than what we believe. That's exactly what Paul's showing us through this introduction. You see, it's not first what you do that makes you good or bad. It's not first what you worship that makes you good or bad. What makes you good or bad is whether or not you believe the truth or a lie. Their worship faltered because they believed a lie first. They sinned because they worshiped the wrong thing because they believed a lie. The same thing is happening today over and over. The cycle continues. And here's our problem. You see, we're believing lies. We're deceived. Even as God's people, we are being deceived. And I'm not, I'm not talking about little white lies. I'm not talking about the little white lies like, does this outfit make me look fat? I'd rather you lie to me than tell me the truth. Men, your wives would probably rather you lie to them than tell them the truth. I don't really care if you like me, but tell me you like me so I feel good inside of myself. Tell me that little lie. Just prop me up a little. See, I'm not talking about those little white lies. I do think, I do think those are important. I, I think that they have a, a, a place that we need to deal with, but I'm talking about big honking lies that, that change not just who we are, but how we act. See, we're, we're believing all kinds of lies. Our culture is constantly telling one another, you can be good enough. All you need, you just need to look inside yourself, search inside yourself, and you can be all that you want to be. If you, if you have the mind to think it, you can be it. You can be good enough to, be deserved by, to deserve God's love. That's a lie. 
You can't be good enough. You and I can't be good enough. The whole reason Paul wrote this letter is because we can't be good enough. I mean, if we're going to try to tell people and, and try to believe this lie that we can be good enough, then Jesus came for no reason. God sent His Son and crushed Him on a cross and put Him in the ground for no reason. He did that because we can't be good enough. That is the truth. We believe that lie. And as silly as it sounds, it's like we stand before God with these good works, which is rubbish wrapped up in trash bags, and we're saying, God, look at what I've done for you. Instead of worshiping God for what He's done for us. And we believe a lie that God is not angry. One teacher went around the nation on a tour. I won't name his, I won't mention his name, Rob Bell. He's no longer even accepted in Christian circles. Telling us that God is not angry. Well, that's a lie. Read it for yourself. The wrath of God is being revealed because we believe lies. God is not angry. He loves you. That's a lie. It's not a lie that God loves you, but it's a lie that He's not angry. God is angry and God loves you. If you take either of those and deny the other, you've created a God all your own. God is angry. And His wrath is a demonstration of that anger. It's not fury. It's not this, it's not this momentary explosion of anger. Like, if you do something that hurts my feelings or, 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 or a, it seems like an attack to me, I'm going to respond by this fit of anger. I'm going to get angry for a minute and then I'll calm down and just move on. This is not that kind of anger. This is, is a settled indignation. It's a, a settled opposition to our sin. It is a revel, a, a resolute Anger against sin, against him, against us denying truth and believing lies. He is angry about it. And here's the truth. Here's what his word tells us. The, the consequences of that will come to bear on anyone who denies him and doesn't trust in Jesus Christ. His anger. His anger. is going to condemn people forever and ever. I deserve better. Or another way to say it, I don't deserve difficulty or suffering. I'm a good person. I don't deserve this. God, why would this happen to me? Well, why, God? I, 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 look at all I've done for you. I can be good enough, right? I don't deserve this. That's a lie. In fact, it's, it, it's, it's, it's such a bald-faced lie because the Bible clearly shows that we deserve so much worse. We shouldn't be surprised that we experience bad things. We should be surprised that anything good ever Happens. We should be surprised that God saw fit to enter this creation and offer us salvation. We should be surprised 
that there is an offer of life. We should be surprised that we can know God. We should be surprised. Not that bad things happen. But that there is an alternative to death and destruction. We should be surprised that even those who reject God and will reject Him until the day they die, even those people live this life, live here and now experiencing His common grace. It's not as bad as it could be. We should be surprised. Imagine if He removed Himself completely, how bad it could be. That scares me to death. Frightens me. And here's the good news. In spite of these lies, it doesn't have to be this way. In spite of the temptation to believe all of these lies, we don't have to be deceived. See, that's the reason Paul's writing. That's what what his heart is, is to reveal God's truth, to reveal God's way, to reveal His message. It doesn't have to be that we're constantly so sufficiently deceived that we can't see truth. We don't have to be blind people stumbling around in a cave with no light. We can pick up the flashlight and we can see with our eyes because God has revealed to us truth. You see, that's... That's why we value His truth. Because He saw fit to reveal it to us. When we we value His truth, when we cling to it, it directs our worship. And as we worship Him, it directs how we live by what we do. But I think we can break it out a little further. I think we can go a little further. In this passage, I just think that we can see that we value truth because God values truth. Do you see that in there? I mean, he is the, the whole world has been upended. It's been turned, been turned on its, its, its head because we d- displaced his truth with a lie. He so values truth. He, he, he thinks of it so highly. It's so central to who he is. That because of it, his wrath is being revealed. Because of it, people are condemned. Because of it, They've been given over. He lets them go to what he, he lets them be what they wanted to be. He he gives them over to the depths of depravity, and we stumble around in the darkness. The whole of Scripture is not just this passage. The whole of Scripture teaches this. John especially highlighted the the, the presence and and the value of truth through his account of Jesus's life. Let me just share some passages with you quickly. We don't have a lot of time to spend on each one. Let me just share with you some passages where John highlighted God's perspective of truth and the links at which he went to bring it to us. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus putting on the nature of a man, put on flesh, he dwelt among us, he lived here. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and Truth. You hear that? God didn't just expect us to figure out truth. He put on flesh and dwelt among us and brought it to us. That's how important truth is to God. It's how important it is that we see it. He says later, John 14, 6, that it's not just a, a concept. It's not just an idea. Truth is personified in Jesus Christ. Jesus said to him, 
14.6, John 14.6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, Jesus personifies the very essence of truth. And after his death and resurrection, he had promised his disciples, hey, truth isn't gone. It's not like once I go away, the truth doesn't matter anymore, that you're going to have trouble finding it. He says, I'm going to send one. I'm going to send one like me, a counselor, a comforter, and he's going to have a specific role. He's going to have several roles, but one in specific. In John chapter 16, when the spirit of truth comes, it's the Holy Spirit that resides in God's people. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. God wants you to know the truth. He values the truth. It's not just that truth is, is some external thing. It has the Spirit resides in us. As, as God does His work in us, He does it through the truth. As Jesus prayed just before His arrest, just before His crucifixion and resurrection, He's praying this high priestly prayer. He's praying for His people and He's praying to the Father. And He says, sanctify them. John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them in truth. Your Word is truth. What God says is the truth that we should be valuing. And we can cling to all kinds of perspectives and thoughts and ideas of the world. But that is driven by lies. And it's out of those lies that it's led by foolishness and deception. It's led by people. It's like the blind trying to lead the blind. We value truth because God values truth. Listen, He sent His prophets to proclaim His Word. He told them, write these things down. And so we have this recorded history. He, he, he sent His Son and put on flesh and He dwelt among us. He sent His Son and His Son died. And His Son said, hey, when, when I'm gone, once I've resurrected and once I've ascended back into heaven, I'm going to send God's Spirit to live in you, to lead you into truth. And when I'm gone, I'm going to have these apostles. These, you are going to be my messengers. He said it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, you will be my witnesses. What do you think they're witnessing to? The truth. You're to go and spread this message. And so He gave us His apostles. And as they went and taught, they wrote those things down. And now... Now we see it. Paul writes in Second Timothy, it's not just God's Word spoken. It's God's Word written. All Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture. 66 books of the Bible, front to back. All Scripture is spoken out, is breathed out, is expressed by God. And it goes on to say, that it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God values truth so highly that He doesn't just leave you to figure it out. He shows you. He shows you the truth. He leads you into the truth. And then He takes the truth and He shapes you and molds you and equips you for His work. You see, God didn't just send prophets and apostles and His Son and the Spirit. He sent you. He is sending you with His truth because He wants His truth known. God values truth from front to back. We see it all over the Scripture. God values truth. If God's going to value truth that highly, I am going to value truth. We value truth 
Because there's nothing more relevant to us than knowing the true God. Now, you hear it a lot. Man, that pastor, man, he just makes the, the Scripture so relevant. He makes the truth so relevant. Well, that's just a complete misperception. And it's, it's really a misunderstanding. Truth is relevant by, by its very nature. Now, a pastor may come to you and help you see the relevancy, but he can't make it more relevant. The truth is relevant by its very nature. But we struggle with seeing its relevance. We struggle with understanding how relevant it is because we are so sufficiently deceived. We've been lied to. We've been lied to and made to believe that there's more important things in life than getting to know the God that created us. And unfortunately, the fruit of our life demonstrates that we actually believe that lie. Even in the church. So we've been lied to. We've, we've been deceived. We've been told that there's something more relevant to us than increasing our understanding of theology and doctrine. We've been told that you don't need to sit in classes and study systematic theology. You don't need to sit in classes and study the attributes of God or understand who He is. Just, just know the basics and you'll be all right. We've been lied to. And we've believed that there's something more necessary to us than to know God fully. And the fruit of believing that is seen even in the church. You see, we struggle with understanding the relevance of truth, not because it needs to be made more relevant. We struggle because we are deceived. We need the light of God's truth to, to come into the darkness of our life and show us. You see, until we know God, until we know Him, we can't know ourselves. We can't know who we are. And if we can't know who we are, we can't know what to do. We'll be walking around dazed and confused. And we'll be searching after all these things that are fruitless and leave us wanting and leave us empty. Until we know God, we can't know ourselves. Until we know that God is all-knowing, ever-present, and all-powerful, we will never know just how dependent we should be on God. Until we know that God is as holy and righteous as He is, we will never understand how unholy and sinful we are. Until we know that God is great, glorious, good, and gracious, we will never be satisfied with knowing Him alone. There will always be something else in this world that we want that we think we need to fill this emptiness and this void within us. We, there's this, this void that we, we can't completely understand. There's always this longing for more. This longing for something bigger. Because we don't know God fully. So as we come to learn the truth about God, we also come to learn the truth about ourselves. And we come to learn the truth about why He created us. Even we see it even in this passage. Even in this passage, He's showing us that we, we were created to, to see and experience the glory of God through the truth of His revelation. We were created to see and experience together His glory. But because we have believed a lie, we're not being all that He created us to be. Until we know God. We can't know ourselves. And so I value truth because I know that it is more relevant than any other thing in my life. 
we value truth because it shows us who we are, but it also shows us who we can be in Christ. One of the most difficult aspects of truth is that it doesn't paint a pretty picture of man or woman, mankind, I guess. In fact, by itself, it can feel cold and harsh. It can feel very confrontational. I mean, if I walk up to you and say, hey, sinner, what's up? Condemned one, dead in your trespasses and sins. You are evil. How does that feel? Man, not great, does it? That's what the truth says about who we are. And rightly so. Because we traded the truth for a lie and we believed in the creation and believed in those lies and worshipped the created instead of the Creator. But the truth doesn't stop there. In fact, I've heard it said that truth without grace is, is cruel. The grace without truth, there's no, real, no, no grace at all. You see, the truth doesn't stop at the cold, hard facts of who we are outside of Christ. The truth goes on to tell us who we can be in Christ. Yes, because of your sin, you are evil. Because of believing a lie, you are condemned. Because of worshiping idols, you are justly seeing the revelation of God's wrath. But because of Jesus and His death for you, in your place, for your sin, if you believe in Him, if you trust in that, you are called righteous. Your name is changed from sinner to saint. You are adopted into God's family as His child, sons and daughters of the Most High. Man, that truth is powerful. That truth makes a difference. It doesn't stroke my ego, but it turns me towards my Creator to adore Him and love Him. We value truth. Let me just say this in closing. We value truth because it's the foundation of a trustworthy gospel. We talked about the gospel last week as a message. And it is. It's exactly what it is. It is a word. It is a revelation from God, the truth is what makes that message up. If that message, if the gospel is untrue, then Paul wouldn't have any reason to, to write beyond Romans chapter 1. Because we would have been given over. We would have stood condemned. See, we value truth because it's the very foundation. It is where the power of God invades the message of God and makes a difference. So, because God has made His truth known, because He values it, because it's the most relevant thing to us, because it's where I come to know myself apart from Christ and know myself in Christ, because it's the very foundation of the trustworthy gospel that I am selling my life to. I value God's truth. If you're a member of the church... I know that your pastors value God's truth. Do you? Do you value His truth? Are you following in the same cycle that men and women have been following in since the fall into sin? 
Are you valuing lies? He's made it evident. He's shown it to us. What do you value? Let's pray. Father, thankful. Thankful that you didn't hide. I'm thankful that you didn't walk away and leave us to ourselves. I'm thankful for your word, for the expression of truth, for the, the power that comes through it, for the message that contains it. Thank you. Father, in this room are, are, are people who, who walk in the midst of a very dark world, a world that is consistently, constantly striving to deceive, to present something better. Would you, by your Spirit, do the thing you promised you would do and lead them into truth? Show them your truth that their lives may not just experience the fruit of it, but that they, their lives may begin to reveal it. How would you do your work in each and every one of us? That we might know you and we might worship you because we know you. And that we might live righteously to bring glory to you. We love you. We do thank you for Jesus and his cross. As we know that by it, our sins are forgiven. Our names are changed. We're made sons and daughters. Thank you.